this is Blessing. Welcome to the next episode of Highway of Holiness. I am glad you are here and ready to share with you the next part of my story, which we will pick up right where we left off, which was me back in Georgia um, going to court for my divorce to be finalized. So I was back in Georgia. I had driven out there alone um, and um, while I was there, he had contacted me um, and we ended up seeing each other and we talked and we decided that we wanted to get back together because I wasn't ready to be over with it and done even after having, this was in May and we had separated the end of January. So after having three months separate and all of the crazy things that I had thought and found since that time, um, and the new life that I had started building for myself back in Tulsa. Um, you know, just seeing him brought up all those feelings again. And I decided, we decided to give it one more chance. So, um, we talked about what to do about the divorce. And, um, I decided that it was easier to go ahead and get it divorced because deep in my heart I knew we would probably end up breaking up again um and I thought if it all worked out um then I can always remarry him so um went to court and while we were sitting there waiting when you go to court there's the judges hearing several different cases it's not just your case at that time it's like a you know different people waiting for their court case to be heard and some other divorce proceedings were happening before mine, and they were asking him, like, oh, the judge asked him, is there any chance of reconciliation? Um, and I was just listening to this while I was waiting for my turn to be called on and stuff, and I thought, you know, what am I going to say if the judge asked me that? Because here we've reconciled, and I don't know, you know, like, I don't want to lie on the stand, but... I got up there, and I don't remember everything that the judge asked me asked me or said to me, but he basically just, like, signed off of it, didn't ask me anything, which I, you know, I thought is weird. It obviously stuck with me now, um, I guess, 11 years later. So um, I thought that was interesting, just a little note that I wanted to point out. So from there, we decided that um, he would come to Tulsa, be with me, since I had a job already, um, and I had an apartment, um, so he's just gonna come be with me there, or he would meet me there, I forget, I don't, I don't really remember how it all worked out, but he, he basically, he was coming to Oklahoma with me, instead of, like, me going to Georgia, because, lo and behold, of course he didn't have he was probably working at a restaurant, I don't remember, but his job wasn't, you know, any big deal to quit and start over. So he came to Tulsa, and um, we started living together again um, in my apartment, and I was working in the business office of this nursing center. I didn't make great money, but, you know, I had made enough money that I could live off of it by myself. And then when he came, you know, he said, um, that he was going to make all these changes. And I made, um, I had said that, you know, I want to keep our bank accounts separate. And, um, 
I don't know. I was trying to do things differently. I don't remember all of it, but um, I was trying to handle things different so that the whole situation would be different. And I was different going into this because, as I mentioned in the last episode, that, you know, I was trying to reconcile myself to God or vice versa, like hoping that God would reconcile himself to me because that's how it works. God reconciles us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. So, um, in our reconciliation, me and Scott's, my ex-husband, um, you know, things started out fine. They were okay in the beginning, but then little things started happening that I thought were odd. He did get a job there, um, but then, you know, he wasn't making a lot of money, so... Um, it was just a really situa- a really weird situation, and um, similar things were happening that were happening before, uh, but I felt differently about them this time. Like, um, I don't know how to explain it, but it's like I all of a sudden having, not all of a sudden, because this was over a period from May to December, um, God started to speak to me in the relationship and um, show me um, that I was worth more than this. And it took a lot, um, you know, several months of things happening. Um, my two sisters still lived in town. My brother still lives there, but they they didn't see me very often. They kind of, um, I don't know if they did or I did, but I was ostracized again um, in this situation and isolated because they obviously didn't like him and didn't want to be around him. Um, and since I was with him, you know, I wasn't going to uh, force that or whatever. I did see them occasionally, but um, it was not very often. Um, to to my recollection, I don't I don't remember though. Um, but I do remember that financially, you know, now that I was supporting myself, um, the, just with him there, it just, there was no money that I did not make a lot of money. And, um, I remember one time, you know, I just wanted sugar for Kool-Aid and we didn't even have a dollar for Kool-Aid, like for sugar for the Kool-Aid. And, um, but we would, I would remember we would scrounge around for coins and money because he smoked and, you know, like him without cigarettes, he would get really cranky and irritable and, uh, verbally abusive whenever he didn't have his cigarettes and he had to go without them. He tried, uh, Chantix and several different, um, things to try to quit, but he really just did not want to quit, so... Um, it was all for show and all for not at that point. Um, anyway, so just to contrast, like we didn't have, um, Kool-Aid was all we had to drink because it was cheap and then we didn't even have enough for sugar. I don't remember ever being hungry, but, um, yeah, it was, the budget was really tight. Um, and he would drink, I remember, um, trying vodka for the first time, um, and just, it's disgusting, 
don't ever drink vodka. Um, but yeah, really, it was just months and months of it slowly escalating again, like tensions rising between us, and there were fights, um, and accusations thrown around and everything, and, um, I just remember that, like, one fight is kind of, uh, like, when things kind of calm down a little bit, um, one fight, I finally just broke and started yelling, uh, you know, rape, like, we were in the apartment, and we knew our upstores, we knew several of our neighbors, because he was always outside smoking, and uh, when we were in this fight, I just started screaming rape, you know, he wasn't raping me, he was just abusing me, so there's that, but um, it did get him to back off a little bit, so, um, which can be scary, because I think I think if you're in that situation, it can go one of two ways. You know, he can back off or they can get worse. And thankfully, this one caused him to, you know, stop. And um, during this period of time, I was, um, I had started listening to this song um, by Sanctus Real Call Forgiven. And um, in in the song, one of the lyrics is, because I'm a treasure in the arms of Christ. And um, it talks about, so let me uh, read the lyrics. It's, when I don't fit in and I don't feel like I belong anywhere, when I don't measure up to much in this life, oh, I'm a treasure in the arms of Christ. And this whole song really is just about that time period and how I felt, um, you know, horrible, and how Satan just kept beating me down and beating me down and telling me I wasn't worth anything more than this. And um, God was telling me, no blessing. You are a treasure. I look at you as a treasure, and you are worth more than this. And I would just play that song over and over and over it. And listening to it and letting that truth sink in. And it took a long time for me to believe that. Um, so that, that um, playing in my head and listening to it repeat um, is what slowly started. Um, along with continuing to read my Bible and seek my identity in Christ. And trying to find out, um, you know, if I was loved and trying to get rid of this feeling of inadequacy and insecurity that I had had for as long as I could remember. Um, God showed me that I was worth more than that. Um, And one time towards the end, me and him got into a huge fight and I just remember crying and I was at work and... um, you know, my boss came and saw me, and he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I just need to go home. Um, Something's wrong, you know, I'm just not doing okay. And he, like, let me leave. And um, we didn't break up then, but we had this huge fight. And I just remember from that point, um, that boss was, you know, um, extra nice to me. He even ended up giving me um, his computer because I needed one for school. 
Um, but yeah, God really looked out for me in that time, and I could I can really see the difference in that period of our relationship versus the period where I had like refused God's help and basically turned my back on God. There was a layer of protection that God put over me in that time period. And um, towards the end, uh, I went out to lunch with one of my sisters and she was saying, you know, blessing, you don't have to be with him. You know, you don't, you're worth more than that. And I just looked at her and I was like, but why, why am I worth more than that? And she, without missing a beat, and I know it was the Holy Spirit for sure, without missing a beat, she said, because you're a daughter of the king, because you're his daughter. And um, when I, I don't remember if I mentioned this or not, but when I was in Argentina, um, one of the things someone told me was that a daughter of a lion is still a lion. And I think that coupled with what she was saying really hit home that day that, um, you know, what it means to be God's child. It, it doesn't matter where you are or where you've fallen. You are still his and you are precious in his sight. Um, and that day, I remember it was another turning point. Um, and I wanted to get out, but I didn't know how. So slowly, um, you know, there were more fights and things and um, several more weeks went by and um he, his granddad got sick and he wanted to go back and he was freaking out about getting back to Georgia to see his granddad and I um, talked to my my parents and I was like look you know he wants to get back and I just really he's waiting on this check and then he can go back and I can break up with him and we can be done and so my parents agreed to give him the money um, you know and we broke up and he went back and I stayed there and they, they helped me in that, um, in that time. And, um, basically like I got the check and paid them back, but he, they fronted the money so that he could go ahead and leave and we could be done. And, um, it's just a beautiful thing that through it all that God provided a way and protected me in that. And that, again, it was a mutual breakup and not just one-sided where like, like he wasn't trying to stay, which I know in some cases they really force themselves, you know, and they want to stay in that situation. But thankfully, um, you know, God allowed it so that I wasn't trapped, except trapped by my own self, if that makes sense. Um, by my own desire to be there is why I was trapped in my own pride and um, thinking that I knew what was best for my life. So we broke up in um, December, January again. So altogether we had been t um, on and off for about two years and married for about a year. So it was short in the grand scheme of things, but when you're going through it, it's really long and hard um, thing to walk through. And sometimes people don't make it out alive and... I have definitely come out of it with a lot of scars that still haunt me to this day. Um, thankfully, God's grace washes over it, and I am not reminded of it a lot, and I don't think about it a lot, but 
when I do, the pain is still there and the regret is still there that I ever thought that I could, um, you know, do anything in my own strength or live without God and be happy because that's just not how it works. God is so much better than anything we could ever desire. And to be apart from that just brings us sorrow and heartache and pain. So from there, after he left, I started, um, I moved in with my sister, um, the one who shared that with me um, on that lunch, that I was the daughter of the king. And I just spent the next two months straight with her and her boyfriend. Um, spent a lot of time, and they that really helped me um, get over it because I was busy and I was able to not think about it a lot and not go back to it. And I started making other friends. Um, and for after this, I really went into a cycle of just basically living worldly, drinking and all that. Um, while still, you know, seeking God and reading the Bible, but I was, um, not living right with God for sure. Uh, it's a weird combination that I walked at that time. Um, and God was still speaking to me through it all. Uh, but it, it's a weird, weird year to look at for me. But at the end of it, um, I so a lot of power when you're abused, a lot of power gets taken away from you and there's a lot of control that you give to your abuser. So this year I ended up like taking a lot of power back, um, in my life and especially in regards to men. Um, instead of letting them use me, I was using them and, um, yeah, like I didn't let my emotions get in the way of things. Um, I have a lot of regrets for that year as well, but thankfully not as scarring as the year before, or the two years before. Um, but towards the end of it, um, I hadn't changed jobs from the nursing home to a printing company because I finished my degree and I had a degree in graphic design, so I started at a print company and I loved that job. It was a lot of fun, um, but... Unfortunately, this was right at the recession, so the print shop did not last long and ended up shutting down. So I lost my job in um, October, November of that year, and so I went and stayed with my parents. Um, my granddad was sick, and they were taking care of him, and so I, I'm really close with my grandparents, and I got to spend a lot of time with them before he passed away. Um, and then in December, I started a new job as a waitress to try something new. Um, and I did okay, but I really felt like I wasn't thriving like I thought I would be. I keep, I, I've noticed something in my life is that I try a lot of things thinking that I'll be this wildly successful and it will be great. And yet I feel like God holds it back a little bit. Like, no, you're not, this is not the thing for you. So he he lets it be successful enough to provide for me, but not successful enough to keep me there. And so in December, on New Year's, God gave me a word that, that I was walking into a new season. And um, he was covering everything over with a blanket of snow and that he was going to restore to me the years that the locusts had st stolen.
So walking into this new year, I was working as a waitress. I was struggling with the fact that the way I was living my life and I wanted to start living right. So I started changing from, you know, um, drinking, going out and all that to living differently. And in March, I got the opportunity to move to Dallas. Um, so I decided to move to Dallas. I was going to get a job and get settled here. My parents lived here now. Um, so I moved here and, um, I decided I, you know, I wasn't going to date anyone. I was just going to focus on having friendships and really good friendships. And I didn't want to get caught up in the world of having a guy that, because I had this, um, habit of, you know, when I'm dating a guy, they become my whole world. And I didn't want a guy to complete me. I wanted God to complete me. And that's all that mattered. And that's that was my focus at this time. Lo and behold, I moved to da- um, to Dallas. And a week after meeting uh, moving here, I go to a ranger game with my friend. And um, a friend I do from my childhood. And we go to... Um, a ranger game, and she's like, oh, my friend's here, you know, like, we should meet up with him, he's coming with his dad, and, you know, he's interested in you, blah, 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 and I'm like, oh, well, we could meet him, that'd be fun, but I'm not interested in dating anyone right now, um, I'm just here, you know, I'm, I want to be single for a while, and so we end up after the game, um, we meet, and we're just talking in our cars for, like, it was not long at all, maybe five or ten minutes, but then he had to go because um, his college had a curfew, so he had had to get back in time for that. Um, but I was like, oh, he's cute, you know, but I'm not dating anyone, whatever. Uh, then we ended up hanging out with her another two nights or something later that week. And then um, one of those times he asked for my phone number and he started texting me. He would always be the first to text me. I was like, oh, this is nice. This is different. I'm not pursuing him. He's pursuing me, but I'm still not interested. And he was moving away uh, in the fall to go to law school. So I was like, I am definitely not doing long distance. I am too insecure for that. And I will, uh, I'm not doing that. Um, But God had other plans. Uh, So basically three weeks after we met, we started dating and he was basically everything that my ex-husband was not. He was good with money. He had ambition and a career that he wanted to take. Um, he was very kind. He would always, 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 always open the door for me uh, whenever we were going anywhere or getting in the car. He would always pay for meals when we would go out and I knew he was good with money because he had a little bank book in his car that he would keep track of his money and stuff. So he, and he was fun to be with. I just had a great time with him. Um, The only problem was that he was moving away and I did not do long distance. Um, But we, when we, (laughs) when he told me he liked me one time, I said, that's nice, but I don't think I'm, I'm ready. Or I said, thank you, but I don't think I'm ready. Something like that. And then, you know, a couple weeks later when he asked me out, I was like, what does that entail? So we just had a really good time. Um, 
and um, he was very sweet, and um, yeah, it was great. Then he went away. We dated all summer. He went away to college, um, law school, not college, and uh, that that's when you know, it got a little more challenging for me because I I knew going into it I was going to be insecure, but, you know, my foundation was in God, not Him. Um, so I just remember one time, you know, we got into a really big fight and I was like, God, I'm not doing this again. I am not doing this. I do not want to feel insecure. I hate that feeling. My ex-husband made me feel that way for two years I'm not doing it again it's not worth it and I just said Lord if this is from you you know you've got to make it work because I'm not I know I cannot do it I learned that the hard way the last time this is in your hands and I just give it to you and after I prayed that you know I just had this peace engulf me and from then on like there was a significant change I just the pressure was off for me like I don't I don't have to make him love me I don't have to make him be faithful to me it was in God's hands it wasn't in mine and I could trust God because God is faithful um so we dated long distance for two years and then um he proposed to me um and during that time uh we were going through family stuff. My One of my brothers had um, tried to commit suicide, and that was just the beginning. That was about a year before um, he w- got arrested and was imprisoned for, um, yeah, for stuff that was really, really horrible and hard to talk about. Um, but... Uh, so he, he walked through that with me and he was a great support as we were dealing with all of that. And, um, he ended up proposing to me, uh, in April, no, in May, I think it was May. He proposed to me in May and we started planning our wedding and we got married in December. Um, we wanted to do it, uh, in between the semester while he was off from school because um, at the end of the year, his last year at law school, he would have to start studying for the bar and then take the bar. Um, And it's really like intense to study for the bar. So um, we got married in December and he, we spent the last semester, we had hoped that he would get a um, working internship um, the last semester, but it didn't end up working out, so we were apart for the last semester of his school, but we were already married. It worked out fine. We still saw each other a lot, and it flew by quickly, and there were no major problems um, that I remember anyway, now years later. So um, he started studying for the bar. He moved to Dallas after he graduated school, and... um he passed the bar the first time, so I'm super proud of him. He's very smart and works very hard. Uh, then after that, we were married for a little bit, and he was applying for jobs, and the economy still wasn't that strong. It was 
um, still recovering from the recession. And uh, I was working at the time. Um, doing project management. So I worked and he was applying to jobs and studying and stuff like that in between. And we would pray and we would be like, God, you know, why haven't you given up God a job? Not God. Why haven't you given up a job? It was really, um, you know, nerve wracking, but I knew that God would provide because in everything before this, God had provided. So I just trusted him. And sure enough, God did. In the weirdest ways, God would provide. Um, God provided the job. He ended up uh, getting a job at a Korean firm, which we are not Korean and we don't speak Korean. So it was a very interesting time period in his career. But um, our relationship was growing. We were very secure in our relationship. And I never had to worry about um, him or his faithfulness. And never, you know, I never questioned it because I just trusted him and knew that um, our relationship was based on God's uh, faithfulness and not our own. So it makes it a lot easier to trust someone when you know it's in God's hands and not your own. So after we got married, he started working, got that job, and then we started talking about having kids. Um, and I have PCOS, so we, I was like, you know, it's going to take me a little bit of time to get pregnant, so I should, we should start trying soon. So I got off birth control, and sure enough, like, it took a full, I ended up having to go to the doctor and talk to them, and um, they prescribed me metformin, and um, I started taking that, and I was already taking this um, herb called Vitex, which acts like Clomid, if you've ever heard of Clomid. Um, and the first, you know, week or so after I started taking it, I ovulated and got pregnant. Unfortunately, um, I have low progesterone in the first trimester. Um, and at about seven weeks, I miscarried the baby which was really hard. Um, it was more so hard for, for him. Um, and I think I've mentioned this already in one of the other episodes, but, um, yeah, we walked through that time. Just, this is the time period that, um, he would say he really is when he really started getting close to God. Um, as with, you know, as you've heard my story, I've been close to God pretty much my whole life, but, um, he has never, mm, I don't know how to describe it. He was walking with God, but it wasn't like very close. You know, I'd say it, it was a typical relationship with God. And then af after the mar uh, miscarriage and during the miscarriages, when he really started to, um, know God, I would say, on a personal level and have a personal relationship with God instead of it just being a religion. Um, so it was really hard to walk through that. And I, I wondered, you know, how I was going to get through it. But both of my sisters had had miscarriages. And um, I hadn't wanted to tell my family or um, 
or his family about it because it was really painful and I'm a very private person so I didn't I didn't want to share that news with people because I was still you know dealing with the loss and he on the other hand really wanted to share with his family um, so that he could have that love and support so we ended up sharing it and my parents because of you know the miscarriages that we were experiencing um, decided to have these people come and pray over us us and my sisters and their families against um, miscarriages and um, you know it's really awkward uh, especially for me having not wanted to have shared that information in fact I hadn't shared with my family that I had missed a carriage um, up until that point when we had this like meeting with these people for them to pray over us I think that is when I actually shared the news um, I don't remember, but anyway, they prayed over us against the death and that there would be no more, and then there was this other time, uh, we went, went and visited the church that, uh, his parents go to, and they had, um, time for people to pray over you at the end, so I said, Kyle, let's go up and have them pray over us, because, I can't remember if I was pregnant again at this point or or what, but um, I went up there and I was telling them, um, you know, that we had a miscarriage and we wanted to be prayed over, that it wouldn't happen again or whatever. And the lady was like, oh, I've had them. And we talked a little bit. I had one and um, yeah, so they just prayed over us in the worship during that time period. And both Kyle and I, our lives it just reminded us that God is faithful, that he is the one whom life is held and begins in, and he is the author of life. So um, knowing that and remembering that uh, just grounded our faith and helped draw us to him. So 5 April to November... Um, I had the miscarriage in April and got pregnant again in November. And I just remember every single day that I was so scared I was going to miscarry again. I did get on progesterone. I was taking that. But um, I remember I would check and from my underwear for blood every time I went to the bathroom or check the toilet paper and make sure I wasn't bleeding. And I decided in my head that I, you know, like I needed to trust God with this and I was going to trust God with this. So I just, um, started repeating, um, first Timothy. Let me look it up. First Timothy basically says for, um, I know whom I have believed and I have, um, entrusted him until that day. Or I know that he can guard what I have entrusted him to that day. So, um, I just would repeat that every time I was scared that I was going to miscarry. I repeated, like, I know who I trust, and it's God. And he's going to guard this until it's time for the baby to be born. Um, and it's really ironic because um, I ended up getting coleostasis which 
is a liver disease that is induced by pregnancy. And that's where we'll have to start for the next episode. Thanks for listening so far. I know it's really lengthy, but I hope you're getting to um, see who I am, getting to know me, and are enjoying the story. Um, Again, if you want to get in touch with me, I'm on Instagram at Charette Illustrations, and I would love to connect with you. Thank you again for listening, and I look forward to sharing more of this story next time.